Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hello, everyone, and hello, Chris. Hello, Paul. Hi. Hello, everyone. Redman Radio, number 43. Hi, Tom. We're going to kick off... All right, yeah. Tom's in the room as well. You all right? I'm not my daughter. I'll shout hello. He says hello. Um, Kick-off question, Chris, comes this week via two people. In fact, Mike Clark on the Facebook page and Jacob Burston on the Twitter page. If you're not on either of them, I highly recommend facebook.com forward slash the Redman TV and at the Redman TV on Twitter. Mike says, LFC, Royal Rumble, who is the last man standing? And Jacob says, if you put all of the pool players into a Royal Rumble, who'd win and why? P.S. I'd clop to this if you want. Um, so I'm about four-fifths of the way through watching the Royal Rumble from Sunday. Um, it was spoiled for me by What Culture Wrestling's Twitter account, which has been unfollowed uh, subsequently. Not It should have been when they lost all of the good members of staff, but it has definitively been now when they spoiled the ending for me. Um, general gist, then, when it comes to Royal Rumble, Chris, is that... What if you you watched Royal Rumbles back in the day? Mm. Not so much of late. What was it about Royal Rumbles that you that you liked, or the memories that stand out from them? Um, it's just a bit of carnage, to be honest. I like I like a little bit of chaos, mm. organised chaos, especially. Um, I don't know. I always seem to think that the bigger guys have the best chance of winning. Obviously, you come in later on, but then you remember the smaller guys winning it and stuff like that. I Absolutely. Mean, My favourite thing about Royal Rumbles is when they throw someone in out of the blue. Yeah. From the past, and you go, wow! This year it was the hurricane. If you remember, if if you remember, it, it, that was very much of our era. Um, but yeah, I, I, I like a, I like a good surprise entrance. If you're adding Jürgen Klopp into this, does he win? I listen. I, I read the first one. I didn't mean the second one. So it's LFC Royal, Royal Royal Rumble. Who's the last man standing? It's John Achterberg, Paul. Just by a. The fact that he's survived every other onslaught on his Liverpool career, it might as well be it. Do you think he proved me wrong? Do you think I he, mean, seriously, go yeah. on. I mean, you know, he's still here. Is he doing a New Age Outlaws style, clinging to the bottom of the of the of the corner? I don't know, but I don't think there's anyone that can outlast John Achterberg. That's a decent shout. It's a very decent shout. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, at this point. I, I remember one years gone by. I, th- I think I'm right. This has been a long time since I've really watched wrestling. But the um, Brock Lesnar came in very late on, and it was just like, there you go, absolute shoe in to, to, to win it. Virgil Van Dyke, I think, is in with a very good shout of of, of winning the Royal Rumble because he's not just because you get your big fellas, 
And you have that moment where it takes like four of them, four or five men, or everyone in the ring is trying to get them out. And they either do or they fight back. Like trying to get Andre the Giant out of the ring was a very difficult, a difficult kind of thing. I think he might have eliminated himself once to, to get around that problem. Um, but I think Virgil's not that because I think he's agile, Chris. I think he's got speed. I think he's got agility. Is he a bit more? Am I right in saying Roman Reignsy? No, because Roman Reigns is shit. But he's a bit more. Right. He's a bit more just the Rock. He's a bit more. I think he's a bit more. You know, top top of the line or good all round. Top tier. Fair yeah, enough. Yeah. I could see that. I mean, the, listen, the two players that stood out for me were were very much Virgil Van Dijk number one and Emre Chan number two. And I think it's important Ooh. when you're considering what wrestler or what Liverpool player would consider, what costumes they'd wear as well. Sure. Because I'm thinking Emre Chan's like the Ashman Billy Gunn type of okay. tighty whiteys, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I, I considered the Virgil van Dijk, would he look good in that Andre the Giant costume? Probably not. No, no, What's no, he no. going to go for? Is he is he a jeans man? Because they never no, really suit the no, jeans no, thing. No, I th- if he, if he's going to be a top superstar. Achterberg is very much, it was the English guy, is it Stephen Richards or something like that? What was the English guy called? He was in it for like, he's in it forever. Yeah. He's not English, no. You're thinking of, um, oh my God, his name's gone. Stephen Regal. Stephen Regal. Oh, he was, Regal. His character was English? He is English. Sorry, yeah, oh, he is. I thought you so your Stevie Richards wasn't English. No, know, no, no. I'm talking about yeah, William, Regal. Yeah, William yeah, Regal. yeah, he's British, yeah. Um, he is English, yeah. He, um, yeah, I, I think if you're going to be a the Beggs costume. Yeah. What? The tighty whities but looks terrible. Oh, As yeah. opposed yeah, to yeah, M.A. Gilbert. Chan, who looks like, amazing. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, if you're going to be it, I, I'm of the contention, and I've never really been a big fan of it. It's not how I would ever have created my wrestlers on SmackDown back in the day. But if you want to be a top guy, you've got to go all in and just wear a pair of trunks, haven't you? you know, yeah. but, um, Unless you like a Larice Carrius, in which case I think the the the, 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 the leggings, style. Boys, I mean, he's perfect for that. Yeah, he, he's I, essentially a Hardy's boy. I think, I think, I think you'd see a, a, a Mane would be like that. I think a Salah would be a Shawn Michaels-y type in that in, in that regard Absolutely. as well could see a, could see a decent a decent win from him um, likes to kick people in the face Jürgen Klopp here's why Jürgen Klopp wouldn't win by the way because wrestling's all about putting people over you get if you're a top wrestler he couldn't do that could he no no but you get <laughs> as much yeah true but you get as much the top wrestlers got as much from helping other guys look amazing and I think Jürgen would I think Jürgen would be one of those guys who, are, who would take an amazing fall to make someone else to get someone else over, to get to get someone to win. So whether he took a, you know, like he's the kind of guy who, who battles Virgil over the top rope, turns round to celebrate while Virgil clings on yeah, and, and yeah. heaves himself back over, or you know, and then he takes a big hit from behind. Or I suppose the other way that he'd probably go out is that you know you get those alliances sometimes in Royal Rumbles, though. Yeah, and he's very much about the team. He likes developing relationships yeah. between players, and then they just turn their back on him, like Phil, for example, and then they just do him, like you know what I mean? Oh, well, do the way around. Where he, he, one of them would be teaming up with people. Yeah, come on, guys, come on, throwing people, and the teaming up to get people out, and then. It's Goes, yeah, thanks, Jürgen. And then he just picks them up and chucks them out himself and pisses himself laughing at the fact that he's just got someone else. I think he, I could see, I, I would love to watch it. He'd be a very a versatile more. wrestler, I think. Yeah. He, could, he could play both the heel and the Who is the, the guy game? who comes in to massive fanfare and is out within the first five seconds? Uh, Daniel Sturridge. <laughs> And on that, I think Emre Chan is as much the guy who could go from coming in as number one to winning it to being the guy who goes out in the first five seconds. Well, just depends what kind of mood he's in, really, doesn't it? Absolutely does. You just have a little brain fart and throw himself (laughs) over the top rope. Yeah, absolutely. Interesting. Um, Mm. 
Yeah, random shout out. You'd be dropping a if you want your random shout from the past. You get an, an old, an old, like an old wrestler who come in out of the blue. Some, uh, you know, if they threw a Luis Suarez in there out the blue, I'd be delighted with that. But I think he'd be too good. Maybe someone, ooh, someone with Razor and Eric Meyer Eric or Meyer. someone like that ooh. for pure comedy value. Get him in. Yeah, again, he probably clears house. He does a, he, he does a funny like, geez, the crowd up. Hey. He go, he's big, he's Dutch. We like him very much. Eric, but ah, goes the top row. Brilliant. And then on with the rest of the events. Fantastic. I think we've nailed that there, Chris. Um, so just moving on to, to this week's podcast then. We're going to be doing news and brief, talking about a couple of the transfers. Out, one transfer in, not for Liverpool, unfortunately, but I think it's worth discussing in Bear Emmerich Aubameyang. Talking about Klopp uh, saying there'll be no signings this January transfer. Obviously, some people will listen to will be listening to this after the window has shut, um, of course. And then we're going to move on to a little bit about the positivity returning post Huddersfield before taking more of your questions. Belter of, of a podcast in prospect. Uh, so news in brief. We'll start with a big one, Chris. Daniel Sturridge has joined West Brom on loan. What are your thoughts? What are your feelings? I like this move for him. I think. It shows me what type of a person that he is, that he's, that he's accepted West Brom, ultimately. Because is that th- a good, in a good way or a bad way? In a good way for him as a character and him as a person, because I think a lot of the time during his Liverpool career, everyone, and, and from when he moved from Chelsea to Liverpool and, and all the low moves that he's had, you know, he had low moves, was it Bolton that he had a low mm-hmm. move early on in his career? And it showed everyone that he just wanted to play football, yeah. he just wanted to score goals. And then it became, well, now he just wants to play centre forward and he doesn't want to do a job for the team and yeah. all that type of Well, he's a centre forward first and foremost, yeah. and, and, you know, ultimately that's what that is. But the fact that he's, he's a bit of a family man and he's gone back there for those reasons and he's gone to a team that really doesn't look to suit him to be perfectly honest with you but he wants game time and he wants to get into an England squad and he's willing to go out there and prove himself and put his career on the line because this is going to be make or break for Daniel I think you know if you can't perform at West Brom then where where do you go after that you know what I mean but he's backed himself to go and do that fair play to him for it I think it's two things to be honest there's part of me that initially was like a bit of a shithouse for not taking into Milan but into Milan I guess I probably they're probably going to end up not having not too dissimilar a finish in Serie A to what West Brom have in the if, Premier League. Yeah, if West right. Brom, you know what I mean. Well, no, because West Brom have been a shit this season. But you know what I mean. In that they could, West Brom could have a, could have a good run if they they've been good recent form. If they carry on that form, they could have a mid-table Premier League finish. Is kind of what I'm driving at with what that. Happened, but he's been very open about it, Paul. He wants to get into the England squad. Yeah, you don't give yourself the better chance exactly. of getting in the England squad by playing yeah. in Italy. You're right. Because listen, every fan looks down on Italy for a start. Yeah. You know, I'm sure the managers might as well. Um, you know, you're looking at the pace of the game and, and uh, listen, just playing in front of Southgate every single week and being able to watch match of the day on a Saturday yeah. and see Daniel Sturridge hopefully score some goals just says that he's going to have a better chance of that. And he, he's told the truth the whole way along and I yeah. like that. Not a massive trip from Burton, from uh, from the England camp to be able to go and have a look at him as well. Like so, uh, no, no. I, well, they've I, got I, great medical facilities over there as well, so he'll be there more than yeah. Southgate will be going the other way. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, that's what I agree on in terms of if, if it is for getting himself into into the you know. Gareth Southgate's plans, then you're right. It makes sense that Southgate be able to actually watch him easily, rather than thinking, "Oh God, am I going to go all the way to Italy? Milan's lovely, but am I going to go all the way there to watch Daniel Sturridge? Maybe, maybe not." It's not like Joe Arco to Torino when you know he's there. He's pretty much guaranteed his place in the England squad mm. at that point, one way or the other. Um, so no, it's interesting one. I, I, you know, we wish him all the best, uh, you know, and. This is not to say his Liverpool career is over, but let's be honest, I think it is really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, good. good. I am more. This makes more sense to me. 
And I wonder whether this impacted his decision, having seen West Brom play last week. Uh, the fact that Jay Rodriguez was leading the line and they were playing two up front as well, you know, that you could, that could be a good, a surprisingly good fit, like a fit that we wouldn't have thought a month ago or yeah, six yeah. weeks ago. Oh, under Pulis. I mean, it, it would never have been a, an option for, for storage, would it? I, I, do, I think that's a great point, Paul. You know, I think if he wants to play and he wants to get back to the form that he's in, then he's, he's also playing with another guy who's hungry for success mm. in his career and he's going to go out there, Rodriguez, and prove people wrong after the injuries that he's had. Uh, it could work in both of their favour, ultimately. Yeah, absolutely. Watch Jay Rodriguez get the call up instead of Daniel. Um, Ovi Ajari joining Sunderland on loan and worryingly, according to the Sunderland Echo, Dubbed the English Pogba on the way on the way there. Um, that's not going to help him any for a start. It's a little bit of pressure for a low move. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the English Pogba is is either you know I mean that probably tells you how shit English football is if he's if he's the English Pogba that he's he's you know twenty years old and he's playing for for Sunderland in a relegation scrap in the Championship. I like Ovi Ajaria, To be fair, I think he's a, I think he's a good footballer. Um, it's interesting that he's ended up he'll end up going to Sunderland, which is who we turned the loan move for Ben Woodburn down from. Um, I wasn't keen on Woodburn going there. Um, I'm not sure. I'm probably. I'm less asked about Ovi Ajaria. Yeah, I don't mind either way. Uh, I wouldn't have really minded if it was Woodburn going to Sunderland or not. But Ovi Ajaria is definitely further away from the first team. And as such, you know, he's a classy little footballer, Ovi Ajaria, isn't he? He's good on the ball. He's good in tight spaces and stuff like that. So Big lad as well. Yeah, he's going to... It's going to be a rude awakening for him, and we say this every time someone's rumoured to go on loan or someone goes out on loan. It's time for them to step up, and yeah. you know he'll learn more in this short spell with Sunderland than he will do playing in the under twenty three for the rest of the season. Because yeah. let's be honest, he's played he's played the season there. Yeah, he's twenty years old as well, isn't he? I think there's a difference between sending a 17, 18 year old lad out on loan to sending a twenty year old lad. You need to be developing. You need to be playing footy at that age. You're dead right in that regard. Um, it'd be interesting to see what if, if he ever. If he ever comes back, you know, he, he kind of, he wasn't on anyone's radar. Klopp took a little bit of a shine to him. He looked great pre-season before last. Hasn't that, you know, got a couple of opportunities last season, particularly on the bench, um, a lot, a lot more than I think we would have had him. Um, pardon me. And um, yeah, again, I like him, but I'm not sure where, I'm not sure quite where he, where, where he fits in with us. Um, I guess we'll know more come the end of the season. It's I, interesting, I think, the formation may have affected Ovi a little bit. You know, we moved to four three three, haven't we, over the last eighteen months? And I don't see where he fits in in that formation. Whereas we were playing four two three one when Klopp first came mm-hmm. into this into the league, weren't we? And you could see opportunities down the line from there. And it's about Ovi Ajaria going out and developing to be a player that can be used in a formation that we use. It's interesting. I remember someone talking about um, Jerome Sinclair years. Ago. I think it was actually an Aubrey passed on from knowing a coach or something like that. And they were talking about. Um, just the difference in quality required to, to score and assist at the top level compared to under 21, under 23 level. Um, if he's going to play, if he's going to be a number 10 or there or thereabouts, or if he's ever going to fit into it, it, he's not going to do the, the DM role for us and he's not going to be the box-to-box midfielder for us. He wants to be the, 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 the class act in midfield. He, he has to learn how to score and assist at a much higher level than what he's playing at, at the moment. And, and again, I don't think, you don't see many players come from the championship Mm. At that, in those positions mm. and into the into the Premier League, which doesn't necessarily bode well for him, but you're dead right. It, it's a it's a step up in terms of the quality. He might handle it. It might just mean that we get a few million quid for him in the summer, which you know at the at the, at the worst case is probably it's it's a 
something, isn't it? Um, but again, I like him. I hope he does. I hope he does well. Uh, I have no hopes for him, which might actually help in some regards because I'd be pleasantly surprised to see him see him perform. Um, yeah, as mentioned, uh, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang has joined Arsenal. Chris, um, on paper, that is a look. He's a great player, isn't he? Yeah. And that's a great a great sign. And there's not there aren't many clubs in the league who wouldn't who wouldn't want. Aubameyang in their squad. There aren't many fan bases of clubs in the league. Yeah, that's a, that. That makes a difference, though, mm. doesn't it? You know, I'm one of those fans who wanted Aubameyang at Liverpool, and because I can see what he does on the football field, yeah. and that's what I'm judging him on. I, you know, I've heard rumours of him being a tit and missing training sessions and all that type of stuff, and it's, and it's absolutely true. I'm not saying it's yeah, not. not rumours. Yeah, the fact. You know, yeah. I'd have liked him at Liverpool. I particularly impressed with Arsenal's business since the Sanchez stuff. I think they've. Somehow turned the massive loss into a gain. Mm. Um, but he's got to hit the ground running. Um, and I don't think they've got the manager that will get the best out of him this season. Yeah. I think he'll be a force in the league. Yeah. But I don't think it'll be for Arsene Wenger and Arsenal. It'd be interesting because the, the Premier League doesn't have an amazing track record of guys at that age coming in to the league and maintaining that level of form. Um, particularly strikers. He's got the pace, though. Yeah. I think that'll, that'll help him. Yeah. You know, a lot of these other players that have come in, these Shevchenkos and all that, they've lost that little yard of pace. Whereas, I think I'm right, I've read something yesterday that over 30 metres, he's as fast as Usain Bolt. Right. Yeah. And now, cool. that's incredible. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's some top end speed there. Yeah, and absolutely. That'll worry, you know, Johnny Evans and the likes. Mmm. Massively so. <laughs> yeah, it's going to worry everyone, to be fair. Um, yeah, he. Um, very good. I think he scored sixty-one goals in, uh, in this season and last season combined. So that's like what, a year, just over a year and a half of footy. That's and since it. he came into the, since he came into the Bundesliga, there's only Lewandowski that scored more goals than him. Like, and yeah. Lewandowski's a top quality player. Like, yeah. I mean, you consider as well. And you know, under Klopp, he was he wasn't even a striker. He was a winger in that time. So he's developed um, into one of the just. Classiest it's, top grade forwards in world football. It's funny, isn't it? That I think it shows you a little bit. And listen, maybe I'm maybe I'm being a bit harsh here, and maybe I'm putting my reds into glasses on because we never went in for him, and I really wanted that to happen. Uh, Lacazette and Aubameyang are two players that have been rumoured to be going for a long time. Now, Lacazette, obviously, a lot longer than Aubameyang. I find it interesting. It feels like a last roll of the dice from Arsene Wenger to take the players that no other clubs have gone in for. Absolutely. I, and, I, and I don't see how... I mean, look, there are solutions to having them in your team. You can play them in rotation. You can play two up top or what have you. But... It, it doesn't feel like a calculated move from Arsenal. It doesn't feel like they are putting the last piece of a puzzle together. It feels like they're ripping up the plan mid-season and they're buying Mkhitaryan and Aubameyang and just going to shove them into the team and try and get it try and get it working. Get the old band back together. No, exactly. Mkhitaryan and Aubameyang were incredible mm. together. Absol- absolutely. Um, definitely. And, 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 and Hazel signed a new contract today as well so that'll give everyone a lift my big concern over them and why I'm not I, I, while I am jealous of the individual bits of business that they've done the and, and it's something we'll come on to talk about because I think it leads us quite nicely into this is that it's, it is very short term thinking on their regard and I think where Arsenal will, will have a problem is when it comes to the summer this summer certainly next summer without a doubt when all of their best players are 30 years old yeah 
where do they where do they go from there? Because at the minute their next generation hasn't kicked on the way that they have done in previous in previous years. Um, they haven't got a spine either, Paul. No, you know spineless. Ta- they they are talking about Jack Wilshere as like the the leader amongst that side again. And listen, he's a quality footballer and stuff. But no, come on, come on now, don't be silly. No, absolutely. Um, but this does lead us on um, to our first big topic of the pod, and I'll be honest. You know, the, we have to do this here. We'll do this pseudo chronologically because um, I think a day ago, prior to the Huddersfield match, everyone, the entire fan base was down and dumps. I've seen people who are gen- genuinely massively level-headed and upbeat just gone. Just oh, my, my head fell off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, and I, and it's a shame that we kind of have to go, we'll, we'll delve back into it because it needs to be done, but then bear in mind, if you're listening, don't worry, we're going to come and talk about Huddersfield and we're going to get everyone picked up after the back. But talking about the short-term signings thing, I actually think the Ar- the Arsenal stuff has, pe- has exacerbated a lot of thinking around the January stuff, and you kind of alluded yeah. to it there. You know, Arsenal have gone out and bought two players who would have improved Liverpool's squad no end. Yeah, absolutely. And it's the timing of it as well, Paul, because I don't think they had any idea that Sanchez was going this window. Mm. Um, just like Liverpool didn't have any idea that Fugatino was going this window, but they've managed to make the moves. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think both clubs were resigned to losing the players in the summer. I think Arsenal were probably looking to run down Sanchez's contract. I think Liverpool were hoping to sell Coutinho in the summer. I think that's much as obvious from both clubs. Uh, one of the teams has gone out and made massive moves. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the teams hasn't. Yeah, that's where it all came from, and 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 that's that's actually not even the, the crux of the issue. You want to get to the nub of it, it's Man City, it's what they're doing. Yeah. you know what I mean. And at time of recording, Mares has just still put a transfer request in. I believe I don't think there's any bit movement on that. But going out and signing Laporte, an under twenty one player for fifty seven million, is absolutely mental. These guys are top of the league, and they're not resting on the laurels. And yeah. that's what they did for me. Like, well, that I mean, again, it's the playing field that they're on is ridiculous, isn't it? When the, the 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 possibility of finding out Leroy Sane's injured at the weekend with a few days left in the transfer window and potentially spending seventy five million pounds on Mares just for for the fuck six of weeks. Well, yeah. so that's how long he's out for. Because yeah, then after that, he's shit, not getting in the side for shits and giggles. Like you know I mean, they're just gonna look to bring that in. It's um, it's crazy, and it it, it kind of makes a bit of a mockery of their little stance over the Sanchez stuff. Like, oh no, we haven't really got money. We can't really spend X, Y, and Z. Liars, liars, liars. Man, maybe City. they wanted United to buy him. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, again, that, that's the thing about the, the Sanchez stuff for me. Similar to the to the to Arsenal's business in, it's not medium to long term thinking for Man United they are although it is more vindicated by Man United not even um, super recently but and under a completely different manager but of course the Robin Van Persie thing under Ferguson mm. at least gives them some recent evidence to suggest hey look this it's a good it can be a shrewd move to do this kind of thing um, but yeah I I saw someone actually saying that we Liverpool have been negligent in this transfer window and I'll ask you a question on this because I, I, my immediate reaction was to totally dive in and agree because I, I, I think in a base level, I, I, like I've said many times before, I'm probably on this podcast already, but whatever, we've taken, in Sturridge and Coutinho, we've effectively taken about 30 goals out of this side yeah. um, and then add a, add a sister or whatever onto that as well and we've not looked to replace that. Um, but... I think the timing of stuff this window, like everyone's, 
all everyone banged on about all summer and all season was it's criminal that Liverpool's not signed the centre half. If we'd if we'd signed Virgil Van Dijk today, I think the psychologically speaking, even if it meant costing us that great the great derby winning header and all that, um, it would have made people feel a lot better about it. But because of the time and of every and because of the sheer weight of the amount of money that's sloshing around Liverpool's bank account, it's very hard to see it as anything other than uh, a massive missed opportunity. I think it is a massive missed opportunity, Paul. I think I agree with you on the timing side of things. That does change your, your outlook on things. Obviously, bringing Virgil van Dijk in is great, but you you didn't want to just bring Virgil van Dijk in. You wanted to keep Fulcatino as well. Yeah. You know, you can moan about the timings all you want, but ultimately, all everyone really wanted was Fulcatino to stay until the end of the season. Yeah. The timings don't matter on that, whether he goes on the first day, goes on the same day as van Dijk comes in. It, it doesn't really make any odds. For yeah. me, it's about... Why I've why I've been so vocal on my opinion over the last couple of days is because I do think that I understand I don't think it's negligence from a business perspective because I don't think that I think that spending your money right is very very important uh-huh. because what ends up happening is Hicks and Gillette all over again if you're just going to start throwing money around you know what I mean but. Or not, yeah. There is negligence for me in that... Maybe negligence isn't the right word, so apologies. Not being able to find the targets in six months is a bit nuts. Yeah. You know, when when teams have gone out there and made moves in five days or something like that, it's... But then that's what Liverpool do. They take the time over these things. They make sure that they get the best value that they can. You know, they don't want to be held to ransom because they don't want to overpay and all that type of stuff. And listen, I, I agree with all that. Of course, I do. Does it? Is it made easier if Coutinho, if we just, with hindsight, if we just sell Coutinho in the summer rather than I waiting don't, this long? I don't because see what tangible benefit Liverpool get from selling Phil Coutinho now. Yeah, yeah. That, that's And that's the point, is that I, I wonder whether if he goes in, if he goes in the summer and, if, and we just go, we've gotten, we, we feel that that's enough. We, it's because we were treated to half a season of him and we had the best squad depth in attack we've ever, we've had since whenever, God, probably, probably ever, that we've seen how good it can be and it's spoiled, it spoiled us in that regard, and we're not able to look back at it and, and see that as like, I used the analogy to you the other day, it's like we used to work in a pub and someone, someone was getting charged happy hour prices for three hours when they should have mm-hmm. had them for one, and they come to me afterwards and said, and I've been getting charged this, I said, rather than be upset that you're not getting the price anymore, think about those all the money you saved for those two hours and think about the good times. It's very difficult to look back and go, well, we got a bonus half a season out of Phil Coutinho in some regards. Um, the thing that... Like I, I can't, I, I can't fault the logic though. Is that we've, we've set ourselves into a situation where it seems it's just a big, it's just a big Coutinho shaped hole. Yeah, and, and that's it. And there's no one to fill it. And listen, Adam Lallana is a great player, but he was already in the squad. Yeah, he's not a replacement. He was no, already no. there. You know what I mean? And Ings and Slanky for me aren't quite ready to take that step up yet. Even if they start scoring goals, they're not going to be playing at Phil Coutinho's level. Otherwise, they'd be playing ahead of him. Yeah. And it was as simple as that for me. Now, uh, you know, I, I don't think I've spoken about this, but over the last sort of few days, I've, what I've realised is, what happens if Phil Coutinho just sat in the reserves? We're in the exact same boat. We're still mm. going to get the same amount of money in the summer. Yeah. 
Well, I said th- I, I said this a couple of weeks ago, didn't I? I said you. D- I, I think you might disagree at the time, but I said I just let him. I, I would let him rot, and I'd keep him there. And I, and because you might find that with five games left in the season, you're faced with the situation Chelsea had with Hazard two years ago, in that he all of a sudden realises he needs to play some games for fitness and form ahead of the international tournament, and you might need something mega at the end yeah. of that season. And he'll just go. All right, fuck it. I'll go and I'll go and, and give it a go. And that's where, yeah. I, I, and that's why, it, yeah. It still is the only the only team that wins out of this is Barcelona. Yeah. And the only team that wins out of Liverpool selling Daniel or loaning Daniel Sturridge is West Brom. Yeah. I don't. I don't get that. Yeah. No. Exactly. I don't get that. I, like, like, I, 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 what I can... made this front three so great was having the ability to pick three from four. Yeah. You know what I mean. And only the fullness of time will tell on on the rest of it. Yeah. But I do believe that being able to rotate those players and be able to keep those players fresh and being able to keep the opposition guessing yeah. is what contributed the, to them working so well together. Yeah, and now you're just three from three and you're chancing it. You're chancing yeah, it big time. I, I think the the Daniel Sturridge one I can, I can, I can make me peace with because I, I don't think we saw enough from him this season. You know, I think he, he you know, he had a couple of, but why? Couple of I, I I agree with that and I don't think he's ever fit the formation. Yeah. And I I'm not saying he's going to score 15 goals between now and the end of the season. But he can oh, score it's, it's, goals it's, yeah. and he did score goals yeah. and he did win games for one and a half million quid. Yeah. Really? Yeah. And a little bit off the wage budget. Yeah. Like and we're not replacing him. I could understand if you need to free up some space to free some to get some to get someone else in yeah. because you've got 120 grand a week on your wages. But really, yeah, one and a half million quid. He scores two goals. That's it. Yeah. That's pay for. Yeah, I suppose <laughs> this is the, this is the problem we have with all of this though is that, and it, again, I'm not not sure why it's our job to do this, um, but again, it's about perspective, isn't it? Is that we'll never know what what the it's the intangibles of what they're doing inside the. The, inside the walls of Melwood that make it a worthwhile deal or not a worthwhile deal and it's that thing of if attitude like Daniel Sturridge if Daniel Sturridge is just agitating and causing problems because he wants to play football then it does that. it's the example that you're setting to the other players the issue that ultimately the issue this boils down to isn't it is that it's a gamble and it's because we are gambling that one of Solanke or Ings Will score enough goals to keep us ticking over. In the, oh no, we're gambling play enough minutes. We're gambling on the the, uh, the fitness of the of the first choice attacking players, and we're gambling on a few goals contributed by the the other guys that are that are present in that regard. And I think that's the, the hardest thing to swallow because all we have is the few experiences we have of watching these players with our own eyes, plus a. A, a, a chart that says no goals, minutes played, no assists. no assists, goals exactly. And if you were to base that on that, if football was based purely in the black and white of it, it seems absolutely crazy, crazy for us to do that. The thing that we're, like I said, I think it goes back to the, the the lack of negligence in that regard is that I think if you, I, I, well, actually no. Before I come to that, the only other way to justify it is. And I, I still don't believe this because we're being told we're, the press have been briefed that there's the whole of that Coutinho money is there to be is there to be spent. Um, is that if that's not true, and we needed to sell Coutinho to finance Van Dijk, then 
I could make, I, weirdly, even though I would be annoyed that Liverpool haven't spent more money, I could rationalise it a bit better because I still think it made more sense to have a more balanced... I, I would... I can just about, if that makes sense, I can rationalise improving an area of the team that desperately needed improving if it meant slightly weakening an area of the team that we were very strong in. I suppose that's predicated on the fact that you have proposed that Liverpool have to do that. I don't. I believe that Liverpool didn't have well, to exactly, do that. Well, exactly. That's what, it, that's what, what I mean. mean. But again, that's what everyone's telling these us. These are all things that we don't, we, we, we don't yeah, know. Yeah, we don't know. Really and uh, Listen, I'm going on what I've been told. And what we, and what the press have said is that that money's available, which makes the decision baffling. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And I guess then it, what it does boil down to is it's trust on Klopp's part, isn't it? He clearly has because I think another another of the, and this is the thing that we don't know. And this is why I see the arguments around it, which is crazy. And it's led to so much infighting amongst Liverpool's fans in the last couple of weeks. Is people say it's statements like it's all FSG's fault, or there's a few like and. To my mind, going on what we're told, it's the manager's fault. It's Jürgen Klopp's fault that we're in this this situation um, because he's the one who's told us time and time again he sanctions the moves. Um, and that's why I think it's very hard to to fathom and how to feel on it because we love Jürgen Klopp. He's a great fit for Liverpool. He gets the fan base. He's got us playing some of the best football that we've ever seen at Anfield. Um, we are meeting our objectives as far as the season goes quite quite nicely. But he's just chosen to get rid of two players who could make that job easy for himself. How do you rationalise that? I'm pissed off. No, I mean, but yeah, yeah. I'm pissed off with him. Yeah. I'm, I'm pissed off with whoever makes those decisions. I, I'm not bro I'm not aiming my fume at Jürgen Klopp because I do but, think it's more than just Jürgen Klopp because I do think that Edwards is going to have a say in it. I do think that scouts are going to have a say in all of this stuff as well. Maybe not the sanction of moves, but the signing of new players. I think there's, there is a team of people working True, at Liverpool. True, but, but he has. But if we're going on the... the we go what we're, we're told. We have to take it equally on face value that Jürgen Klopp is the guy who says yes and no. Yeah, the but the there's day. a reason for Jürgen Klopp to be able to say yes and no to these deals, isn't there? I, I mentioned in the video that I did on YouTube that I, I said, don't ask Jürgen Klopp to be the moral compass of this football club. And What and do you mean by that? Because I, th I disagree so with that. One of the things that I meant is that, you know, Jürgen Klopp obviously wants the club to be successful on the pitch and as a business. And I think that that's something that's been laid at his feet, that he understands that Liverpool can't compete with Manchester City on these levels. So he doesn't ask. You know, he, he sees the value in having that 142 million. And let's say he thinks, oh, I'd better not waste any of this money, which means that I'm, I'm going to buy someone in the summer when I know it's right. Because I know if I overspend by 20 million now, I'm going to have 20 million less to spend in the summer and I think that's where is I is that a moral compass or is that just a financial not, maybe, reality maybe I've said it wrong Paul but ultimately that's what I'm saying yeah yeah, yeah. so do you disagree with no, that no 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 but what I mean no I meant the moral compass thing I think that I'm not sure it's the right expression for it is the, is the point okay. I think I think it's more that he shouldn't be he shouldn't be the business compass for it whatever you want to yeah, whatever yeah, you yeah. want to call it yeah, yeah. that's me because I think that he's right to I think I think he's the perfect person to be the moral compass for Liverpool because he it's him who's setting the ethos. Uh, but we're not talking that about that now. We're talking about true. But I, I can say I think there's a again, it's very hard to fathom out because, like I say, it, it, he has to take the blame. He's the one who's decided ultimately that he he wants to put us in this position because the money we've what we've seen with the Van Dyke thing is an example is that. They prepare if they if if he says he wants someone, they'll pay 
they're prepared to pay whatever the fuck it takes to get that someone. But we know the Liverpool have said that 90 million is too much for Thomas Lamar. But maybe. Well, that's what's been said. But again, that's when it comes to those type of things, we don't know if that's actually been said. That's a lot. That is hearsay and conjecture, isn't it? But mm, I don't know. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Okay. But it's but what we don't but it, but again. I'm not sure Paul. No, I think no, no, that's but, been said. But where has it been said? In the news, in the Liverpool Echo, Paul Joyce, all of these players were all talking, yeah. all of these, sorry, journalists were yeah, all talking yeah. about I'm not, it. Again, I'm, I think that's, that's... And if we're going that's, on what we've been told yeah, yeah, by yeah. those people and yeah. what we've been briefed, I don't think that's a, that. I don't think that's as clear-cut either way. But yeah, but the point is, is that, okay, what it boils down to is that there's a... There's a yeah, I don't know where we're getting sidetracked. The point is, is that it is Jürgen Klopp's decision. So do we make... We have to make peace with that. Yeah, because everybody makes mistakes. Everybody makes good decisions. Everybody makes bad decisions. You know what I mean? And Jurgen Klopp's made more good decisions than bad decisions at Liverpool Football Club. Of course, I'm going to still continue to support him. I can disagree with what but he's doing, Paul. Where does like, that... I disagree with substitutions. No, no, games abso- sometimes. No, and, absolutely. You know, I disagree with formations that he's played. And my fume is directed at the football club and everybody who makes those decisions. Yeah, but the point is then moving that forward from there. What happens? If Liverpool fall short of the objective, say, of qualifying for the Champions League again this season, and Jurgen Klopp has shouldered this, where how does that change your thinking about him? Okay, good question. Um, he's learned from his mistakes in the past. I think we've seen that over his tenure. I think what we've seen is a Liverpool side that massively tired in January last season. I think he's changed that. I think we saw more rotation from his side this season. You know, he was barely rotating players last season. We've seen four, five, six uh, rotations every single week. So this is a guy you can learn from his mistakes. And I don't think it'll be a position he'd put us in again. Um, he will have less credit in the bank for next season. Yeah. And, a, and a, you know, my, what's the right word? Uh, what's the thing on a bomb? 
their fuse. My fuse will be a lot shorter with them yeah. because of that. Yeah. No, it's tough, isn't it? And that's why, and again, it's, it, 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 is, it, it feels baffling. It feels crazy that, that we, I can't understand why he would make, why he would do this. The only thing it's made slightly more, it's slightly easier for me is things like the Maris thing, for an example, is that we don't at the time of recording, we don't know how much that if he if he does move to Man City or, or not. But the last talk was like seventy five million pounds odd. If he'd moved to forty, hmm. I'd have been annoyed because I think there's a degree to which he's a twenty five million pound player with a bit of inflation. Forty million pound, you've got that bit of extra cash in. You can spend forty million pound because we've got a a, a bonus of. Pay, have people paying over the odds for Phil Coutinho, so you can probably you can piss away forty million quid for a short term solution. When you start to get into breaking your transfer record again for a guy that you don't really want, that's when I I start to you know I I go okay well I, I can rationalise that decision not being made. Um, the Lamar stuff again. Uh, it, Liverpool it, went over to meet Lamar and they went over to Monaco to meet their representatives, didn't they? And they turned around at the start of the window and said how much do you want for Thomas Lamar and, and they went 90 million quid and Liverpool went too rich for our blood. Yeah. But I'll tell you this, if that changes, come back to us because we're here. That's the conversations that happen between Liverpool and Monaco. So they yeah. are interested in and they know that the price yeah. was too rich. So they've clearly decided that 90 million is too rich. Imagine if, imagine, it's weird, isn't it? Oh, again, perspective changes these things because if when you're in a more relaxed situation about stuff, Ninety million pound. If you, if you, let's just let's pretend Thomas Lamar wasn't French mm. and didn't play for Monaco. He played for pick another fucking bang average fucking team in, in 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 a European league, and he played and he was Portuguese or fucking Algerian or whatever. And you looked at his goal return for his age, mm. you'd be knowing it. You'd be fucking flipping on Liverpool for paying ninety million pound for that kind of thing. Like, and it's it's it, it's so tough at the moment, isn't it? Because balancing our expectations with the realities of there is a finite amount of money going in the pot with there's a very specific set of requirements that the manager has for his the type of player that he recruits it's baffling i don't i, I genuinely at this point don't know what the answer is to this no, I'm, no, I'm, I'm taking it's made more difficult by the fact that i don't think clubs know the value of players at the moment yeah yeah and that that changes the playing out. If we don't know the values of players, well, the clubs have always known the value of, of yeah, their yeah. assets. And when clubs don't know the value of their assets, they're going to try for as much as they can possibly get. Like, you know, when you look at it as pure, you know, uh, ink on paper, Lamar doesn't make sense. But Mares actually does at seventy five. Mm-hmm. If you look at what he's done over the last two years. But who's the more valuable player? Well, I think it's Thomas Lamar because he's younger and he's got a lot more years in, in his legs and stuff. But having not proved anything really other than one and a half good seasons, yeah. how do you go out and spend 90 million? I don't disagree with the the uh, Jürgen Klopp in his shoes mm. turning around and going, 90 million's too much for this kid yeah. in his shoes. Yeah. But I'm not in his shoes. I'm a no, player. exactly. And that's, that, that's, that's what it is, isn't it? I, I, like, I, I contend that it, put, it puts added pressure on the summer. Um, but it, it's one of those things. It's like, hopefully, I can't wait for the window to shut because at least it'll. I mean, there'll be some people who are just desperate for the I told you so of it all, you know, and they'll be like, every time it goes bad, I told you, I told you we should have done this because people love being right about things at all times, don't they? But what 
we should be able to do is go, all right, look, he made his decision, fair fucks to him, you know what I mean? He's a dickhead. If he gets it wrong, that's a fucking massive gamble because I don't feel this is the same as letting Andy Carroll go out and not completing the Clint Dempsey deal. Yeah. That's negligence. That was just fucking stupidity and from Ian Eyre and from whatever. People just didn't get that shit across the line. Um, the, uh, lesser so like the Canopy anchor thing a couple of years ago because there were extenuating circumstances in that which we've talked on Redman in the past. But... It's definitely been a, a stance taken this time round, and that's again why it's dead hard because there's a guy who we love, who has done something that is so baffling to us that it's like, it's not that baffling though, is it? When you look at what he's done in his career, yeah. and that's the thing, and and, and that, that, that flips <laughs> yeah. it full circle even yeah. more because you go, well, I trust in Jurgen Klopp, I trust him a hundred percent. And he's just done what Jurgen Klopp was supposed to do. Yeah. Trust in the players, not make moves in January. Blah, blah, blah. But the difference is he's doing it with my club and my team and, and my season and, and money, all this and, and all that. And you're thinking to yourself, I'd have done this differently. Yeah. And that's why, that's why I think fans are having such a struggle with you it. You know what moment. it is? It's, it's a world-class striker. Or it's, it's, it's a striker that you don't necessarily you, you think could be world-class and he's barreling in on goal and he's got a man square to win you the... Champions League and at the minute you're not sure that he's the finished article because Fernando Torres of 0809 yeah you know he's just going to trust can slot that Nando and, and, and win it for us Fernando Torres of 06, 07 or 07, 08 or whatever is 07, 08 is decent but you're still going make it square it and, let, it, and it. let him do it but you know, until he sticks that ball in the back of the net and does it it's it, we're, we're going to exist in limbo and this is that point with Klopp is I think he's he's built up loads of credits in the bank and I think the vast majority of people again I think we'll all most of us will will return to a level head on this and, and, and kind of will come onto the Huddersfield game I think helps with that immeasurably the problem is there are going to be a lot of people myself probably included in this where the scars are going to be there and it's not going to take much to open them again. And that and that might be a problem for him. It's I, mad, I, I hope it. that it's mad that though, it's, there's an attitude when you think about it. It's like, I think... But that's you, what happens in no, life. No, I know, I know. You know but I mean, I, mean? I, get, like, I get it's it. It's like someone who's had the bird cheat on them and they get into the next relationship and they're always checking over the shoulder and all yeah. that type of stuff, you know. Just, it, but it's, that's hard to get away from it. No, I, but I get that if there's been, like, if someone's cheated on you, but at the minute it's like she's, she's just looked at someone You've caught a look at the you side fact, of the This is the problem. The as, as with everything, how many times we've said this on podcasts and shows over the years, we exist in a grey area and we're still not used to that fact. Yeah. And we still want all the answers and we still base opinions off nothingness a I, lot of the yeah. time. And that's the, that's the thing that you can never... That's the thing that I struggle with because... I can make a, I can make an opinion on something and I absolutely have done in this case. Yeah. But have a fa- what are the foundations of that opinion? Ultimately, it comes back to I'm just being told what other people are telling and me. And also, just at the end of the day, we're boils down to is we're not journalists, we're fans, and we're entitled to be fucking outraged. And then the next week, we're entitled to be absolutely head over heels in love with what we're doing yeah. in the game because that's what football fandom is. The hard part and what we have, what we do, and what I think what we do, generally speaking, we're quite good at is largely not being pulled one way or the other by it, but I agree. It's too far off the centre line, isn't it? I think there's going to be a lot of people who think, because I I think the the Scars and I get where you're going, I think the Scars and would be more if we failed this season and then we found ourselves in the same situation the next season would be, I would be, I would understand the implication of it. Yeah, you're right. Like I say, if people, if Liverpool meet objectives this season, what I don't want is people going, 
or what we could have finished up. What if we finished the place higher? Look, if we meet our objectives, we fucking meet our objectives. There will be pressure on it in the summer. What I'm encouraged by is that it's what he's done in the past and how he's gone about it. And the thing, the thing that I cling to, and this is not again, this is not a tangible because we don't see this with our own eyes, is that what Jürgen does is he builds a squad and he builds a collective mentality within that squad. And what we will never be able to understand is the impact that he feels that Phil Coutinho, Daniel Sturridge, etc., has. And then he feels the benefit to that is in giving more trust to a Danny Ings and to a, you know, to a, to a, a Dom Solanke. What was mad on the side and aside from it, Bobby Firmino and Andy Robertson celebrating against Huddersfield filled my heart with joy. Like there was a proper Robertson's like, in the gang now. Roberts like like, 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 like him. loves Robertson. Like like he's he give him a big you know he was like yeah in his you know give him a give him a big love and I was like that's what we've got now. You know the, the start that win was ne- absolutely necessary to exercise the demons of other thing you know the other things that are going on with that and we're gonna that's what that's what Jürgen does. He doesn't do it. It's hot and it's very difficult because he doesn't do it in a traditional way. And particularly and it's that's loads easier to accept when we've got no money. Mm. It's much harder to accept when we're told there's 140 million pounds out there. And then you watch Man City and you go, do what Man City are doing, do what Arsenal are doing, do whatever. That's you know what I mean. And and this is why we'll move it on. Um the the massive relief that came with that Huddersfield win. Uh, look, you were there. I imagine it was even more so in there. But me and Tom were just sat here in the studio, and it was like a, the first goal, yeah, and oh, even more so the second the first goal. First was a really underwhelming celebration because of the pressure, and I think everyone was apprehensive. Um, you know, not one. You know, the, the first sort of thirty seconds after the goal, you normally get a big cheer after maybe fifteen seconds, and then everyone goes into a big song. That didn't really happen. Um, everyone was kind of focused on the kickoff and not conceding the goal straight away. And you know there was a there, that that's that's not a situation I've been in as a Liverpool fan yeah. very often. You know you've just scored a goal and you, it's a really understated celebration that shows the nerves that was in the ground there and there was people behind me before the game and it was quite uh, vitriolic. The right uh, yeah, like dripping with anger. Yeah, so. You know, lots of people screaming, get your fucking heads on as the team are lining up. And it's not just guys behind me, it was guys to the sides and all similar sentiments. I'm thinking, this is gnarly, this is a bit strange. This isn't a normal Liverpool Fields of Anfield Road warm-up song, like, you know what I mean? This is like people who are are really angry at the moment. And once that second goal goes in, and the the timing of it as well was absolutely perfect, just on the stroke of half-time. And then it became party season because... We'd just done what we're kind of doing in the agenda for this podcast is you're taking you from being really downhearted to a Liverpool side that, you know, footy's boss, footy's yeah. amazing, footy's incredible. This is what we can do. This is what these players can still do and we can still pr- prove to everyone that we can go out and achieve this season. It's crazy, isn't it, when you think about like what it, this last week and how much, how, how mad a week in football can can be, I think, and I think everything is exacerbated by the pressure that's on this season, and it comes down to that whole like the six six clubs six. for four spaces is ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous, and it's just because nobody's totally dropped off yet. 
Arsenal are teetering and now we can't even relax on that because they just got out and bought players that were all like, oh shit, that'll that'll make them dead good. But Monday, uh, Tuesday was perfect in that regard because it was us getting back to what we do. It was Liverpool dominating, largely having it quite comfortable barring that little scare just before the first goal. And, um, and then seeing Arsenal get not just beaten by Swansea, but beaten much, beaten well. By Swansea, you know, to lose three one, that puts just, our one nil in, exactly. in perspective. And that was going that that rippled through the stadium. You know, the lad next to me goes, "Swansea are winning two one there." You know, I was like, "Fuck off!" And then I passed it on. It was like Chinese whispers, and then you could hear people a few rows behind us going, "Arsenal getting beat two one," and then it was like three one. I was like. We're not shit. We're not shit. Swansea are good now. We need to reevaluate what we're doing. And that's kind of what it went like. And the atmosphere just got better and better. And we fed off it and we quietened their fans down. And the team were playing brilliantly. And we had a million and one passes and billions and billions and billions and billions of passes. If anyone's seen that Donald Trump edit. Um, probably not many because no. Tom was the one who showed me the video and he's in the, definitely in the 1% ex- exclusive videos it's mad though that's happened a few times this season the results that we've been dead down about in, in isolation in the Liverpool bubble have all come against teams I think the three ones that stand out for me there's more but there's three that really stand out being Watford, Burnley and now Swansea Watford and Burnley aren't shit <laughs> exactly we were at the time we were like fucking disgrace and then both of them like Watford have tailed off massively haven't they like but uh, they both of those teams have gotten some big results against teams that you know uh, in, in and around us in the league as well and it's mad then I say it's it's great how and it mentioned Donald Trump I think John Oliver did a great thing about like the the like the whataboutism and how he uses that to to, to, to curb a lot of anger towards, towards him but what about the state of these fuckers over here but it does help absolutely look at an Arsenal Get you know if Arsenal just lost that one nil we'd be like okay sound but the fact that the it's just another thing that settles the nerves a little bit that look we are above we Liverpool there's a reason why Liverpool are ahead of these teams in the table and again let without getting my back in the what we've lost and others others have gained you know Liverpool have earned the right to be where they are in mm. the table right now and. When things were going well, we weren't wrong to assess Arsenal as being in a little bit of trouble. They're not so much in trouble that they're going to finish seventh or eighth because there's still a massive gap gap down there. Um, but you know, great made me feel loads better about life, and you know it's going to be a very interesting week. I think this is one of those not pivotal, but I talked about we've talked about the comparisons with thirteen, fourteen quite a bit in the last in the last six to eight weeks. Um and how January and that season was when we clicked into what we were doing and we became we became an impossible chase for the teams below us. They just started to switch off to following Liverpool and started getting mired in their own little problems because, you know, they had to be perfect to match us. Yeah. And, you know, there's a chat, you know, if Liverpool can continue doing what they're doing, um, not even exceptionally, just keep ticking over, you know, we'll we'll know the Spurs results, um, Spurs-Man United result, obviously, when on Wednesday played. night. But, you know, no matter which way that goes, that result is a great result for Liverpool. No matter which way it goes, because we've put ourselves into a good position in that regard. Spurs going into a tough run. If we're able, you know, it gives us a good chance to capitalise on all these things. Things are great. Um, what was nice just on the individual performance, though, Chris? A couple of people, we've done a lot. We've done the Man of the Match podcast, which is absolutely fantastic, by the way. In fact, before we talk about, we're going to talk about Jordan Henderson and Loris Carius and Bobby Firmino. Just give you a little bit of a clip, a little bit of a taste of what's happening on the RedmenTV.com. Tom rocking it on the Man of the Match podcast. 
Merseyside, times starts now. Okay, so the two games before Huddersfield, West Brom and Swansea, Emery Chan was given the captain's armband and he really struggled. We needed the big performance from him yesterday and we got it. He absolutely bossed that game. He completed 79 passes, which was the most out of the midfield and 91% of those passes were uh, accurate, which is, the, again, the most in the midfield. Mo Salah was always a threat yesterday and that was because Chan was always covering for him on the right wing in the midfield basically allowing Salah to do whatever he wanted because he knew that Chan was behind him, defending and covering. Um, and you're talking, you're talking about big moments in these games, especially against the small teams like West Brom and Swansea. The big, the big moments matter. You need a bit of luck and a bit of skill. And we got that with Chan's goal. It was a brilliant effort, but then you got the little bit of luck as well. But what a shot, what a shot it was. I think it was probably going in anyway, to be honest. Um, he nearly has two assists as well with two headers for Mane. They were both amazing crosses, and Mane probably should do a bit better with them. But what absolutely incredible those crosses! He gets fouled for the penalty. Yeah, yeah, good, good argument yep. all round. And then I'll do mine on John Matip. Great stuff, um, Jordan Henderson, Chris. I think we've because he's had a, he had a, by his standards a pretty poor season and. But I don't think he's been so poor as to justify the amount of hatred he seems to get from from people online. Um, it's been great to see him, his little cameo at the weekend, and coming back into that Huddersfield game because it was noticeable how much better we were for having him in yeah, the team. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and um, what's mad, and maybe this is a little bit off topic, Paul, I don't even think he was the best midfielder in the side. No. I think Chan was. Yeah. I thought Chan was exceptional. Chan, Chan was my man of the match. I thought he was unbelievable. Like um, him and Firmino were the two guys that I gave nines to, if I remember. Um, run close by Dejan Lovren. But James Milner was, you know, very, very close to yep. them as well. I thought um, Jordan Henderson was fantastic, but it freed up Emery Chan to go and do what Emery Chan does best. And you know, I think we've seen with that even just that one. Performance, the chance are much better than a six. Yeah. Um, and Jordan Anderson understands that position much more than Emery Chan because the speed with which he was moving the ball from side to side and, you know, always making sure that it's even when he doesn't receive the ball, Paul, and maybe it's different when you, you'll, you'll remember from when he was playing well at Anfield last season or, or away games, whatever, it's that he's always open for a pass. Yeah. And he always gives players options and, and that makes your team better because like any strategic sport, mm -hmm. just doing the same thing over and over doesn't work. Yeah. In a strategy game, you've got to have those options there and Henderson, whether he gets the ball played to or not, is always available for a pass more so than Chan in that six. What was great is that two things in that regard. I actually think Emre freed Henderson up as well because we actually saw him do a lot more than just play the six. Where he was supporting, he was overlapping, he was charging forward. Crosses. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and he, he looks so good when he does that too. I mean, I'm not sure how you handle that um, and the other way. But what was great also was that having him out of the team for a little bit, um, we he, he, he was always an option, but the team's actually grown a little bit since the Arsenal game, I think. And they were bypassing him. Mm. They didn't feel that they had to give the ball to him. And that's where I think Jordan Henderson's kind of been sold down the river a little bit by his own teammates, bottling it sometimes this season because we've seen it too often, the centre-half. Well, I could pick out that guy, but yeah, I'll just I'll give it to Henderson, yeah, and, yeah. and Henderson will, will do that. So I thought the whole balance, and Milner was a big part of that as well. That midfield three, the fears going into that was it was going to be a bit pedestrian, a bit slow, a bit lacking in creativity, whereas we made mention of this earlier on in the season, and it's worth remembering now that we... 
in the absence of Coutinho at the start of the season, we did play some very industrious midfields and we trusted the front three and to get on Arsenal with the business. That Arsenal the classic example of that. We beat them 4-0 at Anfield with Wijnaldum, Chan and Henderson in yeah. the middle of the park, didn't we? And yeah. It's funny that every time we go into a, into a thing, oh, that's a bit industrious. We always seem to do quite well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, Think absolutely. back to that Man City game as well. You know, Ox, Wijnaldum, Chan it was for the Man City game and, you know, we, we blew them apart in the centre of the park. So there is... There are different ways of playing with this midfield at the moment. I think James Milner deserves a start, you know, more often than yeah. not. To be honest with yeah. you, because he seems to just crop up everywhere. I mean, yeah. he's still got magic in his feet as mm-hmm. well. Like some of the skills he was doing over on the right wing when really played most of the time on the left. Yeah. Absolutely brilliant. His delivery is brilliant. Really interesting stat for me out of the game was that we played like half the amount of crosses that we played against uh, West Brom. Yeah, you know, we played forty-one crosses against West Bromwich Albion. That's a ridiculous amount. Our average through Premier League games thus far, so far this season, sorry, 20. Mm-hmm. We went back to 20 crosses, you know, trying to work that ball into into the centre and taking shots from good positions is really, really important. And Henderson helps us to do that. And I also think that having Joe Gomez in there over Trent Alexander-Arnold because... Well, he basically played as a back three for a yeah, large portion of that game. Yeah, and here's the thing. When you're a young kid, and I love Trent Alexander-Arnold and I'm not looking to bash him in any way, shape or form, yeah... When you're a young kid and you found yourself with the ball at your feet 25 yards out and no passes on, what are you going to do? Cross the ball. Mm. He crossed the ball 12 times in that West Bromwich Albion game and didn't really fucking do do much with yeah. it. You know what I mean? We, we got a... I think he was the one who hit the ball into Firmino and we scored off it with yeah. Salah, didn't we? But that's too many. Yeah. You know what I mean? And Joe Gomez doesn't do that. He'll turn around, he'll pass it back and we'll start again and find and ch- sort of chisel out an opening and that's what Liverpool did better. We weren't rushed into making decisions. We made them in our own time yeah. and ultimately we got a, a comfortable 3-0 victory off the back of it. Yeah, absolutely. And just a couple of little notes that Tom mentioned on the Man of the Match podcast. Um, Matip having the bravery to play 50-yard passes up mm. the field, into feet, makes a massive difference to how we play. The energy of and Andy Robertson on the left-hand side, great to see him back in again. He, 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 I don't think there's any doubt now that he's the first choice over Looks Alberto like it, Moreno. Yeah. Um, and, and, and totally rightly so at the minute, the way he's performing. Singing his name again. Miller, boss mate. Um, James Miller, I love, I love James Miller a bit. Never got you three assists though, did you? No. You three know. goals, so that's look, all that matters. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. There wasn't, we didn't even get three assists in the game, did we, technically? But um, no, great. Did you set one for a pen no more? <laughs> yeah, not, not according to TLS, uh, whatever, football or whatever it is, the app we use. Um, yeah, no, really, really, really good. And, and as mentioned, we did this on the on the final word, which is available in podcast form on the redmentv.com. Highly recommended every single game covered. Um, Sadio Mane for a guy who's not in form is still scoring better than one in three, um, which still bodes it. well for a guy who's once again to repeat he's not in form. I think he's our second top assist. I think there's a couple on six, and Coutinho's on six, maybe for me now. And then there's a load of people on five, and I think Sadio Mane's on five as well. So he's he's doing it, at, you know, both ends, goals and assists. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and just lastly, uh, it's one more player I want to discuss because we didn't get a chance to discuss him on other things, like look. Loris Karius. Made a save, Paul. Nothing. He made a save. It helps. Nothing to go, here you go, conclusively, here's here's our goalkeeping problem solved. But that was a, a step in the right direction as far as his performances go because he coupled the save thing. Yeah. Making a save means the people who don't really know what they're looking at have got something that they can talk about <laughs> and remember. But 
it also important save exactly absolutely and also though just his distribution I thought was absolutely excellent there was one moment when the ball bounced on the edge of the area and he just ran out and volleyed it and initially I was like if that's Mignolet it went up to Salah and we nearly scored off it exactly you know if that's Mignolet that is just pure swing of boot at it and and although I still think I, I could be I could be cynical about it if I wanted to his, his distribution his kicking is very good and it whether it was a pinpoint pass or not he knew exactly what he was trying to do with that and it come off and up and you know he took some important crosses he moved the ball on quickly a couple of times when he played long punts down the field trying to get us on the on the front foot and that that's I say that is more like what we're looking for from a goalkeeper. Yeah, the, the thing that really impressed me, A, was the save first and foremost because I was shocked. Um, I thought it was a goal. As soon as I got cut back, I was like, typical, typical. That's how we, how many times do we concede that yeah, goal? Yeah, all of the time. The one that really impressed me was when he ran out and headed the ball because <laughs> yeah. that's. That's tough to do. He screamed for that as well. Like, yeah, he was in front of us. Like, you could hear. And the most impressive thing about it is. You're fucked if that goes wrong, Paul. <laughs> like you're completely and utterly fucked. Well, look at Edison. Look he's at Edison the other headed it over there, fella, and he's you know he's I don't know whether it went actually over him or not, but he's cushioned it to our guy. He's played a pass. Now, it's very hard to judge people's speed as they're running towards you, and he's done that incredibly well. And I'm probably not doing this justice, but go back and watch it if you can because he's played the pass. There's got there's a, a there's a guy bearing down on him. His foot's about to come up into his face, and he's played that pass. Had the guy decided to cover the pass off. I'm not sure what he's going to do, but I think he's played it so well that you're just not expecting him to head the ball. Like, And again, yeah. that comes down to the strategies yeah. of football. Obviously. Really, really, really really good. And like I said, we just need more of that. Um, if that becomes, again, I've said this about, I talked about this on the, on the final word, that needs to be Henderson's base level performance. That needs to be Carrius's base level performance. And I don't mean I want to see, I want them to be better. I want them both to play better than they played. More consistently week in week out, but I don't want I don't want to see either of them play worse than that mm. again this season, mm. um, because we, this is you know the time for that is done. We're getting to the business end of the season. And those two guys are going to be very 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 important for what we do. Um, so yeah, great. Uh, a couple of questions before we wrap up. Then Jonathan Cook at JFC Tenor. If on deadline day you could sign someone from outside football, like an actor, celebrity, historical figure, etc., for a free role, who would it be? Think usefulness on the pitch or good for the dressing room? Um, you know I'm going NFL with this, Paul. And it's... That's football. Yeah, sounds... <laughs> <laughs> it's Bill Belichick. And I think I've... I th- oh, Bill Belichick! Yeah, they of talk course. about him a lot. Like, no, I talk about him a lot. Like His mantra is just do your job. <laughs> and he just fucking repeats it over and over and over. And I just want him as a defensive coach to just do your job. Yeah. This is what you've got. Just do your fucking job, lads. Lads, do your job. Yeah. But but do your fucking job. Yeah. Shut up. Do your job. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I can get behind that. Um I like the I like the, the motivational aspect of things. Uh so I go with one of two. There's and they're both wrestlers. One's Daniel Bryan, who you won't be totally familiar with, but he started a little bit, a little guy. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. That's exactly what I want. That I, I want that kind of. I is he want a cheerleader. Him. Yes, 
Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I want him. You know, because look, Klopp seems to have abandoned this like thanking the crowd shit. Um, and I still well, thanks. You know, whatever. You know, I mean, he goes up and collapses, but he doesn't do any of the saluting thing. Wagner's all over that shit. So we're not drawing towards West Brom no more, lad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but I think there's something to after a big result at Daniel Bryan and the, Liverpool, and the Liverpool players going up to the cough and giving it's us the, the fifth. most like... wall thing. No, it's ever. The, the most wall thing would be for him to have like a foam finger and a t shirt cannon. And Okay, you've outwalled Wolves. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but no, that or equally, Stone Cold Steve Austin for motivational, but in a negative reinforcement sense. So whenever someone does something bad, they come M. Ray Brain Fart. Stone Cold Stunner. Anyone who gets something wrong, they step off the pitch. Klopp is going around shaking people's hands, hugging, and basically, basically, Klopp goes to the hug and he just sidesteps and Stone Cold bang. Bang, out, Emery Chan, post West Brom, laid out in the middle of the Anfield I think you've hit on something here, and I'm going to take it in a slightly different direction. Randy Orton. Similarly. Right. Come out of nowhere. When they're in the box, they're just about <laughs> to take the shot. From out of nowhere! Absolutely. Yeah, but, I mean, VAR would fuck him big time, but uh, yeah, why not? Definitely for the, for the shits and giggles of it all, 100% into that. Um, yeah, let us know if anyone outside of football... Uh, that you would sign up for a free roll around Liverpool in the comments. Um, Jordan Gomez then, at Jordan Gomez 102. What are your top three favourite Liverpool player celebrations of all time? One I think that's a bit underrated is the Suarez free kick versus Zenit where he high fives and Rican just starts screaming. I actually don't remember that one. Um, I do remember that game for being me. I, I, I physically jumped up to play a header on the cop. Did you? Yeah, we walked out and I jumped and the guy next to me went... Got it well there, lads. Soz. Give us one. I love the frequency with which we used to see the Daniel Sturridge dance. Okay. Yeah. God bless it. it funny that the... It was, the Hud, was Huddersfield the last time we... Maybe not the last time we saw it, but they showed it. It was in the build to the game. Liverpool were like, last time we played Huddersfield and it was a clip of Daniel Sturridge and it was a bit like... Yeah, I, I, I like the dancers. The, the, I don't think you can top, and we've got it on the wall over there, I don't think you can top Robbie Fowler sniffing the white line as no, the no, greatest no, no. football celebration ever. Um, for pure, unadulterated comedic value, Luis Suarez diving in front of David Moyes, yeah. um, it just doesn't get... And, and, Look at this, and football gets shit at every single year. They can try and sell it all they want in terms of oh, the pace and the aggression and the beauty and the beautiful game and blah, 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 bullshit. There's, every year, a character from the game retires and football becomes more and more bland. Luis Suarez was criticised for diving by the manager of our big local derby rivals, scores a goal in Goodison Park, runs the half of the pitch and dives in front of him as a celebration. Like, Jürgen uh, Klinsmann doing the dive celebration was hilarious. It was amazing. I'd never seen anything like it when he did that back in the day and that was an amazing piece of like self-awareness and comedy. But it was, he knew exactly what he yeah. was doing and he did it because he knew we'd love it and he did it as a fuck you to, to, to Moyes and to have the bottle to do that in a football match in that football match in that football match is for me the the, 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 the greatest Liverpool I do love the golf club one golf club Bellamy one. and Reese the golf club one was absolutely fantastic yeah. and Gerard kissing the camera mate in Old Trafford yeah every time 
Got it. Just the first time, two, uh, uh, 2008, 2009, because it's, it's so off the cuff. The other one, maybe uh, Michael Owen monkey flip celebration. Love that one. Um, <sighs> the winning goal, uh, Arsenal FA Cup final 2001, because, and I've said this before, who knew Michael Owen had that much charisma? Michael, Michael, Goal Owen, who is, as someone, I think it was Noel Gallagher once described, uh, Alan Shearer as a CID cop and Michael Owen as a CID cop in training. Uh, no personality or, or humanity to them whatsoever. Apologies if you're watching this. If you're from CID, please, we're fine. We're nice people. You're just dead boring. Um, Michael Owen scores the winning goal in FA Cup final and fucking somersaults. Go ahead. Who do? Um, and so he say used to do some decent ones as well, didn't he? He said was always going to come to. If only... He very rarely got it right. I think he tried, the first time he tried it, he kind of fell over. Uh, and I, I must admit, as much as I love a good flip goal celebration, it's telling that the players who have those celebrations never become prolific goal scorers. Mm-hmm. And I always think it's because they think too much about what they're going to do once they've scored than the actual scoring of it. And it's why, in that regard, I love every single goal celebration of Jordan Henderson. Because he has no pre-planned program. He doesn't just do any yeah. that bullshit. Like, he just screams and runs like someone's just given him a fucking Super Nintendo as the last present on, on Christmas Day. Uh, yeah, unbelievable. Um, you know, the, the, one of my favourite celebrations, it's not for a goal, is just Jamie Carragher when we won the European Cup. <laughs> and uh, in kind of the same way, yeah. he could just... Everyone else is off celebrating together, and he he's just, walk, he's just he couldn't walk a minute running earlier. around on his own, limping around, just trying bounding, to jump like bounding. That's, like, that's yeah. brilliant. That's just pure emotion. There's yeah. nothing else there to that. Absolutely, yeah, uh, fantastic. I, I think we've nailed that. But if you've got some more, do let us know uh, by tweeting at the Red Men TV with a uh, top three favourite Liverpool players. Um, boring that isn't it? Uh, it's not it's not the babetto is it um, but yeah let us know then by tweeting in uh, as ever if you want to follow us on Twitter you can do I'm at the Paul Machin Chris is at Mr Blood Red ask the Red Men TV for the for the Red Men Twitter account as interestingly well. me and Tom were talking about the celebrations outside and it's not Liverpool ones but you mentioned both the ones that were my favourites you mentioned the Klinsman and you mentioned the babetto yeah absolutely amazing there we go too much time we've been together over the years um, brilliant as I've said, and I'll say it time and time again, we've got a fantastic offering on the RedmenTV.com at the moment. And you know what? Going forward from now on, we've always had a, a, a good offering. We've upped the ante big time. It's very good now. Tell we, not only do we do up to 20 podcasts a week exclusive for the subscribers, what can people do now? Just to clarify, it's 20 podcasts a month. A month. Yeah. A month. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to say month. Apologies. <laughs> a week! Not a guarantee. Um, so, <laughs> um, Oh, it's only podcast a month, but what, what, what's special about what we've updated on the website right now? Well, nothing. No, I'm kidding. Um, so you can now get your podcast into your podcast app. So be that iTunes, be that Stitcher, be that any Android player with your Redman TV logins. You can get in there. You can listen, download all of those shows into your player so that you can listen to Redman TV on your commute, download it over your Wi-Fi, use your data, whatever you want to do it, the freedom of how you use Redmen TV is now totally yours to control. Fantastic, yeah. And as I say, the content is amazing. We've got the pre-aired Man of the Match podcast. We're doing the final words. Chris, in a video sense, is now doing an incredible stats and tactics show, which is a real deep dive into how Liverpool are winning and, you know, occasionally losing games. So if you want to know more about football and more about Liverpool, we have got you covered on the Redmen TV. On Mel Ready tomorrow as well. And on the Redmen TV. Deadline day, going to grill Mel Ready. Going to be great. Fantastic. 
you've done well to keep a straight face while saying that that's well done uh, thank you very much for listening guys as I say go and subscribe it's free for the first month for you to check it out then £5 a month thereafter it helps make all of this a reality become a Redmen TV supporter a Redmen radio supporter and we'll be back with more free podcasty goodness next week walk on When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Winning is an everyday mindset, and we're here to help. I'm Craig Robinson. Join me and Coach John Calipari for Ways to Win. We're kicking off during March Madness. Cal's Kentucky Wildcats are in the hunt. So throughout the tournament, I'm going to call up my friend to ask about his wins, losses, and especially what he's telling his players in the locker room. You got to win every day. Find the Ways to Win podcast anywhere you listen. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com.